This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Like every Sunday, I ask God to help me uh, because Saturdays are hard for me sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard in itself. But over the last few days, it's been even harder uh, because of the number of hours that we've been putting into making sure this building is up and running. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. And going from three hours of sleep uh, the day before and uh, yesterday, getting a little more than that in four and a half hours of sleep. Uh, you know, I was literally asking God, God, help me through Sunday morning as I bring the word. Somebody asked me yesterday, Pastor, are you preaching tomorrow? And I was like, take a while, guess. I sure am. So, you know, I, I looked at God and said, you know what, God, help me through this. I need strength. I need courage. I need you to do what only you can do. Uh, So today I want to share a very familiar passage of scripture, and I want to title my message, The Seven and a Half Feet Difference. Uh, If you're taking notes, please take notes. Uh, We're we're still in our standalone message series where uh, we take a break from our usual expository study of books of the Bible. We just wrapped up our study in Habakkuk. Uh, before that, we studied First Thessalonians, and uh, we, we, we journeyed through the Bible, but we take breaks here and there, to, and over the next few weeks, we'll continue doing that to hear from God what he has in store for his people. Uh, so today, I am kind of venturing out into a passage of scripture that's very, very familiar to a lot of us, but I'm going to try to break it down like we always do in an expository manner. Uh, And I'm going to go to John chapter 21. So we're going to take our attention to the New Testament, to John chapter number 21, where the passage is titled, Breakfast by the Sea. Uh, I'm titling my message, like I said, the seven and a half feet difference. And in a few moments, you'll understand why. But this passage starts off where Jesus is about to appear to his disciples. Uh, In verse number one is where we pick off and we'll read three verses and then I'll give you an introduction and then we'll go from there. In John chapter 21, verse one, the Bible says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself and there's his description of what happened. And in verse number two, the Bible says, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, And two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter, who's always the vocal one, jumps in and he says, I am going fishing. He says, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught absolutely nothing. All right. The setting of today's scripture takes place in the Sea of Tiberias, like the scripture is telling us. Oh, it was the Roman name for the Sea of Galilee. The Romans called it the Sea of Tiberias after their ruler. Uh, for anybody that has been fishing uh, as a recreation, uh, you know how, f- how hard fishing is. 
All right, it is uh, a very tedious hobby. Uh, some people find it very easy. Other people, like me, uh, can fish for months and months and not find one fish. We, I, I will not catch a fish. Uh, you know, I've just, I've just said, I've just given up. Uh, my, my rods are catching dust in my garage now, uh, and, and I don't know when I'll go back uh, to catch fish again. But fishing is hard. All right, and uh, and and. Simon Peter, along with his friends, are out on an adventure to catch food, uh, catch fish to eat. They, they need food, uh, not because they want to do it as a hobby. Uh, they were fishermen by trade uh, before Jesus calls them. Uh, they're actually in a place where they don't know what to do. And they say, hey, we're hungry. Jesus was around us and we were fed all the time. And right now, we just need to figure out what to do, what, what to eat. Uh, isn't that the biggest struggle? What to eat, right? Like, uh, haven't you been there? Like married couples, you know, you have your fights and your disagreements and your arguments. But the biggest struggle of marriage is what do we eat today? Come on, somebody. Yes, no, maybe. Is that just Sonia and I? Thank you, Gary. Thank you so much. And Gary, I saw you staring at that glass. So when that light hit it, you were like, I can't stay. Gary owns a window cleaning company. And we have... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you can. And, and I, saw him, I, I saw him from the corner of my eye. He was looking at that and he was like shaking his head. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't want to know what Gary is thinking right now. We tried, Gary. I, tr- trust me. Andrew tried. We, he was there all night till 4 a.m. Just... just <laughs> We'll get it. We'll get it this week, Gary. We'll get it. But, but it's the struggle. It's the struggle. The struggle's real when it comes to food, right? And they're like, man, what do we eat? And they're like, let's do what we know best, right? Like we do. Where do we go when we can't do anything else? Where do we go? Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> we, that, that's, that's the go-to. If nothing else works, everyone agrees on one thing, and that's Chick-fil-A. Fishing was their Chick-fil-A. They said, hey, what do we do? Let's, let's go fishing. So they go fishing. So this, they're, they're, this they're, they're in this mode of, God, you know, what do we do? Uh, do we go back to what we were doing? We were kind of helping out Jesus with his thing, and uh, we know that that was important, and we know, but, but we need to eat, right? Uh, everyone has fish to catch wherever God has placed you. There are different places that God has placed us in. Yeah, your, your fish might be getting good grades. Your fish might be excelling at work, uh, building a business, uh, or, you know, building a family, uh, taking care of your children, uh, raising your children in, in um, you know, in, in the diligence of God, in, in the diligence of the scriptures. For the disciples, the first encounter that they had with Jesus was one that he, he walked into and he basically wrecked their plans. They were out fishing and uh, they were making a name for themselves, probably one of the best in the business, uh, possibly. And Jesus walks into their lives and, and he looks at them and says, man, do you want to be fishers of men? And he says, follow me. And they leave their nets and they follow Jesus. Jesus has that tendency of walking into people's lives and wrecking it. If you allow Jesus to walk into your life, if you give him permission to come into your life, he has that ability to change and transform your thinking. So, like I said, the setting is in front of the Lake of Tiberias, and the disciples are in this depressed mood because of the horrific events leading to and culminating again, like I said, in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The disciples are sad. Peter is sad. He's dejected. He's depressed. He is depleted. He's, he feels defeated. Doesn't know what to do. Right? 
He has probably disappointed Jesus, right? We know how he has given up on Jesus. He's uh, like Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you are going to give up, give me up. You're, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter has done that. He's disappointed Jesus. And he feels like there's no way out. He's not, Jesus is nowhere around to, to, to give him an explanation or for, for, God, for Jesus to hear him out. And he probably kind of loses the mission on hand. How many of us feel the same way when we feel like we're disappointed God, we tend to go back to the things that we knew how to do. Peter's in a similar boat like that, where he's like, man, I've, I've trusted Jesus, and I've been with Jesus, and, and I felt like things were going great, and I felt like things were going the way that I wanted to go. But how many of y'all have ever been in that boat where you feel like you failed God, and you failed the Lord Jesus, and you failed in your walk with Christ, and no matter how much you try to get back, it just does not work, and no matter how much you try, you feel like it's not enough. And Peter's probably in the same boat where he says, Lord, I don't know. I think you're disappointed with me. I can't even see your face. I don't know. Like, there's, I, I, there's no direct communication. I've denied you three times. You, I, I know that you've risen up. I know that all this is true. But he has no clue what's going on. The best thing that he can think of is to go back to what was familiar to him. Going back to safety. You know, when you feel like God... You know, when, when, when God does things in your life and, uh, man, and, and you, you've, you've been there. You've, you've seen what God has done. You've seen the faithfulness of God. God has done miracles and signs and wonders in your life. But there always comes a point in your life where you're at the end of the, end of the road. You're tired. Some, some of you are like, I'm tired today. There are so many of you that are tired in everything you're doing. You're tired of your job. You're tired of people around you. You're tired of, you know, your church. You're tired of your, your, your walk with Christ. And, and remember, when times are tough, you have the ability to impact people around you. Remember that you have the ability to, to negatively or positively impact the people around you that God has trusted in your life. So all the feelings that Peter is in, he basically expresses and says, hey, I'm going fishing. And all these people that are with him. Knowing, not knowing the impact that he has on himself. He says, hey man, we're coming with you. That's what the Bible says. If you break it down, he says, and Simon Peter, right? All of them were together. And Simon Peter in verse number three says, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. Remember that when times are tough, you have the ability to impact people that are around you. As a father, as a mother, People that make decisions. It, it could be a worker. You could be a manager. You could have a job of influence. But remember, in every place that God has put you in, God has placed you in those places with influence. Someone say, I have influence. God has placed you with influence. And that's important to understand. And Simon Peter says, man, I'm going and everybody else follows. Have you ever been in a situation where, where your words have the ability to distract the vision that God has given your family? God has given in your marriage. God has given your church. It could be one word that you say. It could be a phrase that you say. It could be an attitude that you're in. It could derail the vision that God has put you in. Sometimes the things that we say out of emotion. Sometimes the things that we do out of emotional, you know, a, a, a moment that we're going through. The decisions that we make that could alter the course of your destiny. Man, these things have an impact on the people around you. Many other people base their decisions about the, on the way that you react. As a pastor, I always have to be careful about the things that I do. When I cast visions, the way I react to things, the way I handle things. Because I know that I'm in a place of influence. And there are people that are always looking at me and looking up to me. 
And the things that I do and the things that I say have a mighty impact and a powerful impact on how they might do what I do. It's so important for me to hear from God before I cast vision. And I'm talking to visionaries here. In whatever way or form you're a visionary today, in whatever way or form that, that, that God is using you to be an influence wherever you are, are you prayed up? Are you fasting enough? Are you asking God for wisdom before you say the things that you say, before the things that you do? They're going back to what they know. And everyone says, man, yeah, th- that's something we know how to do. We don't know where our next meal is going to come from. And, and Peter, you're, you have the keys to the kingdom. And if you have the keys to the kingdom and you say fishing is the best option right now, fishing it is. Let's go fishing. And the Bible says they went fishing and the Bible is very clear. And it says they caught nothing. And in the Greek, that word means nothing. <laughs> Absolutely Nothing. They would fish at night because they need fresh fish to go and sell. The the fishermen usually go and sell fish in in the market and everyone wants fresh fish. So they they fished all night and the Bible says they fished all night and they caught nothing. And verse number four, when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. So Jesus had risen up from the dead and Jesus is revealing himself. So Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Remember in desperate moments when you were away from God, when you don't hear God, when you don't feel God. Have you all ever been there where you're like, man, I don't know if this is God. And and when the morning had come, Jesus stood there and they didn't know. It could be because he was a stick figure. It could be because there was no light. It could be because there were shadows all over the place. It could be because they probably saw a guy wandering around and they didn't think too much into it. But desperate moments, it's very possible for you and for me to not recognize the presence of God. How many of us resort to doing dumb things in desperate moments because we don't feel God? Some of us resort to drugs or alcohol or or, or, or talking to people and hooking up with people that we shouldn't be hooking up with, going out with people that we shouldn't be going out with, engaging with things that we shouldn't be engaging with because moments of pressure, moments of pain, moments where you are confused in your mind of not knowing what you're supposed to do puts you in situations where you are out of tune with the Holy Spirit. I pray that we will be people that are, that are in tune with the Holy Spirit all the time. You know, David, King David, there was one prayer that he always prayed. He said, Lord, take me not away from your presence, God. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. That was, that's a cry of a fish out of water. Have you ever seen a fish out of water? I had a fish in college. When I was in college, I wanted a pet. I couldn't have a dog in my apartment, so I was like, what do I, what's the next best thing? I was like... Someone told me it was a betta fish. I was like, okay, let me go get a betta fish. Loved it. Went to Walmart. I saw this thing wagging its tail, and I was like, I want one of those. I'll take good care of it. And trust me, I took good care of it. I put it on my dining table, feed it like real good, right? Even though they told me don't overfeed it, I would feed it real good. I'm like, I want this to grow. <laughs> I come back from work one day, worked at the library that I worked, came back one day, and I'm like, where's Tommy? Tommy's not in this bowl. I was like, I have no idea where Tommy is. I was like, did somebody come in here? I was like, looking around the house, the TV's still there, but Tommy's not there. I was like, definitely the thief has not been in this house because they would have taken something more valuable than Tommy. And I look on the floor and Tommy is dead on the floor. Okay. Or in other words, he committed suicide because he couldn't stand me. I don't know if it was the smell of what I was cooking. I don't know. I, I don't. 
But Tommy couldn't stand me anymore. But have you seen a fish out of water? Try to put a fish out of water. Try to see if a fish jumps out of water. It's like fluttering around. It's beating around. There's only one thing that a fish out of water wants, and that's to be back inside of water. There's something about the presence of God that when you're out of the presence of God, a true Christian that's out of the presence of God knows what it feels like spiritually to be outside of the presence of God. Am I talking to somebody? And, and David is saying, Lord, I wandered away from you. I walked away from you. I sinned, God. I fell short of the glory of God. And I know I've done it time and time and time again. And I don't deserve to be in your presence. But one thing I ask and one desire I have, if you can show me mercy, is that I want to be in the house of the Lord. Take me not out of your presence, O oh God. Take not thy Holy Spirit. Oh, am I talking to somebody today? because somebody that's been out of the presence of God knows what it is to be in the presence of God how much of power how much of strength how much of grace there is in the presence of God I pray that we will be believers and Christians that crave the presence of God that every time we wander away and every time we walk away and every time the enemy tries to distract us and take us away and call us away from our calling we will know when to step in and say no 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 that's not the presence of God Jesus isn't there the Holy Spirit is come on somebody we need some Moseses who can look at God and say, God, if you're not going, I ain't going. Don't we do that all the time? Invited to a party. Who's going? <laughs> I would ask that all the time, right? I, I, that's probably you. If, if, some, if my friends come in and say, hey, you want to go to the movies? My first question is not which movie. My first question is who's going? <laughs> come on, have you been there before? Come on, don't lie. You know you know why? Because there, there's some people that you're comfortable around. Because the movie doesn't make the fellowship better. It's the fellowship that makes the movie better. Unless you're me and you like to go to the movies alone. Before I got married, okay? Just, just saying. <laughs> Just, just clarifying. When I was single, I would like, like to go days off. I would go to the movie. Jesus forgive me, but without paying, I would go to the next movie theater, watch the next movie, and then hop onto the next one and free refills. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, we, we, I did that. Don't tell me you didn't do that. Before we got married, babe, I promise you. But it wasn't fun, man. It wasn't fun. It's not like going with a group of people that can make the... Am I talking to somebody? And, and Moses is like that. Lord, take me not away from your presence, oh Lord. Like, like Moses is saying, Lord, you know what? Moses, go. God, would you go first? God, if you don't go, I don't want to go, Lord. Like, like Jesus is, is, is you know, the, the, the person that's going to make the party all the more better. Come on, somebody. He's the one that's going to be the person that's going to be electrifying. He's the one that's going to make everyone happy. He's the one, when he walks into the room, everyone turns their head and looks. He's the one that if he's with you, you are important. Amen. Don't you know somebody like that? And, and that's the cry of Moses, saying, Lord, if you don't go with me, I I want us to make a covenant with God and saying, God, in everything we do as believers, we want to make sure that you go with us. David says that. Difficult times blind you to what God is. 
There's probably fog in the air. Moisture hangs in the air. And the thick fog is probably making it difficult to see who's calling them. But the question comes and Jesus says to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. Now here's where it gets tricky. Have you ever heard Jesus call his disciples children? Nope. That was the first time that Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't always call you the way that you're used to him, call, you're used to him calling you. You're, you don't, you're not necessarily going to hear from God the same way that you've been hearing from him all along. Sometimes he speaks to you through the word. Sometimes he speaks to you through prayer. Sometimes he speaks to you through, you know, when you're doing nothing. All right? They're, they're, every, if I, I can go around the room today and I can ask you personally and ask you how God speaks to you, you would probably tell me, hey, this is, how, this is exactly how God speaks to me and no other way. There's so many things that we, that, that, so many ways in which God can speak to us. It could be a morning devotional. But sometimes we can get so used to God speaking to us in a certain way that we can't understand when Jesus calls us. When Jesus tells us to do something that, especially something that we're not wanting him to tell us to, like, you understand what I mean? Like, if it's, if it's not a regular thing, if it's not something that he always tells us to do, we're like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if that can be, Jesus. I don't know if that's going to be the Holy Spirit. They couldn't recognize his voice. This is the same Jesus that was encouraging them to get off their boat so that he can preach from it. This is the same Jesus that would commission them here and there and tell them to do this and that. This is the same Jesus that stood with them and taught them the Lord's Prayer. This is the same Jesus that walked with them for three years and taught them and encouraged them and ate with them, but they could not understand the voice of Jesus. And in verse number six, the Bible says this, and he said to them, cast the net on the, on the right side of the boat and you will find some, some as in fish. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Back in the day, the boats, if you go and visit uh, Israel or you do a tour of Israel and go to Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, they have some boats out there, fishing boats out there that, that, that they put out for display to show you what the boats looked like back in the day. And they're 27, usually 27 feet long and seven and a half feet wide. 27 feet long. To give you kind of perspective, this room is 39 feet or 40 feet wide. All right, so, so 27 feet long and seven and a half feet. This stage that I'm standing on is four feet, so a little wider than this, seven and a half feet wide. And Jesus basically said, hey guys, what's going on? Nothing, we've been fishing all night. They're ashamed to say, because here's what fishermen do. Like if you've been fishing, you always know this. This is cold, like you have to do this. When you walk right next to another fisherman, what do you ask him? Nobody goes fishing here. Anybody? Have you caught anything? Where are the fish biting? Any luck today? Those are the common questions. And Jesus is like, what's up, guys? Are the fish biting? Kind of like teasing them. And you'll know in a second why, okay? And I'm, I'm going to explain this beautiful as to why this is funny and beautiful at the same time, all right? He's like, guys, any fish biting? Nope. Nope, Jesus. They're ashamed to say that they've not caught a single fish all night, but they finally admit the truth. And Jesus calls back and he says, I have a solution 
Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Hey, you've been on the left side. Walk seven feet the other way and cast your net on the other side. And maybe you'll ca- Oh, thank you, guy. Like, like we've not tried before. And the funny thing is uh, they didn't. It's one thing that they should have done. They probably didn't because that's what tiredness can do to you. That's what loss of focus can do to you. That's what they've been away from the business for so long that they probably forgot that, man, if this doesn't work, maybe do that. And Jesus was like, maybe try this. See, here's the thing. A lot of us are doing the right thing, but facing the wrong direction. So many of us are doing the right thing and you're doing what you're supposed to do, but you're faced the other way. And, some of, and, and God is reminding some of us and saying, hey, you're on the brink of your miracle. But you've got to make a seven and a half feet walk. I know it's uncomfortable. And I know it's dumb. And I know it's, it's crazy. We're not talking about a, a canoe here. We're not talking about a little, you know, boat over here. We're talking about a fishing boat. And you've got to make that walk sometimes no matter how tired you are. No matter how much you think you know. No matter if you're the end of the rope and you say, man, I've tried it all, I've given it my best, I've given it 100%, but sometimes the voice of Jesus comes in the most unreasonable of challenges. And he'll say, why don't you do this? Seven and a half feet. The seven and a half feet miracle is often a miracle that we miss out on because it sounds dumb to us. It sounds absurd ridiculous at least because God what makes you think that going from here to here is going to make any difference the thing is they forgot that they were not fishermen anymore if it was before they would have been clever to change the technique but they had rusted over time and sometimes God puts us in situations where it seems like there is no answer and we've tried everything and we thought that we, we knew what we needed needed to know to be to, to do what we needed to do but and it, it has worked before so we think that we already know how to do it and now someone else is telling us this simple ass answer and it's driving up against the wall and we're like God what do we do right now how many of y'all have been there before where you've tried it all and you're wit's end, and you're like, I don't know if I got this in me anymore. And God's giving you a very simple answer, and you're ignoring it because you've done everything that you could do. For a lot of us, it's, it's worked before, so why not again, Lord? That's weird. We can, we can be so used to doing something a certain way that you are alarmed that God is stepping in and asking you to do something different. How many of us get alarmed when God asks us to do something that's not the usual thing that we usually do? A seven and a half feet miracle is often lies in the absurd, in the most ridiculous. Can I be honest with you? Taking up this building, a 6,500 square feet building, as a two and a half year old church was the most absurd thing that we could do. Because of how much money we would end up paying as, as lease for a building that we don't really own. We we're, paying, we're, we're releasing out this building, but God said, do something bold and do something brave and build it. And, and God said, when you take that step of faith, I will do what I ought to do and I will do what I can do. Do not rely on your own wisdom because if it was me, I would have crunched the numbers. I would have said, oh man, I don't know about this. But thank God for a group of elders and leaders that can stand by you and say, pastor, if God is saying, 
mean that? Do it because it might sound absurd. But man, when you start doing things that God asks you to do, he begins to do what he's supposed to do beyond your imagination, beyond your thinking. And we are on the brink of a seven and a half feet miracle. God things are about to happen. This year we declared as a year of God things. And what that means is we're stepping away from our own reliance and our own thinking and our own understanding and allowing God to do what he does best. So I want to see miracles happen. And I want to see breakthroughs happen. There are people sitting over here. You don't know what's next in your education. You don't know what the next step is in your career. And you have no clue as to what you're doing with your family and your kids. But God is saying, trust me, I got this. All you got to do is trust and do what might seem absurd or might seem impossible. And sometimes it's to get up from where you are and say, I'm going to walk to the other side. You know, it's difficult to understand this, but remember that if you're doing something and it's not working out, ask God if you're meant to be doing it in the first place. How many of us have stopped in our jobs and said, God, can we have like a moment of prayer? Seven days of prayer, three days of prayer, where, man, if I'm struggling through what I'm struggling through, did I make this decision myself? Lord, is this your will for me? Like, should I be doing this in the first place to begin with? Am I, am I supposed to be in this major? Am I supposed to be in this track? Am I, am I supposed to major in this? Am I, supposed to, like, am I supposed to marry this person? Am I supposed to continue a relationship with this person? Ask God for wisdom because that's something that is a lost thing nowadays. Maybe your calling is different. Maybe that job that, that God has for you is something different. And you might actually catch fish where God steers you. For a lot of us, we just have to reposition ourselves to receive what God has in store for us. It's amazing how slightly changing their position yielded results that they've waiting for, they've been waiting for all night. Like I said earlier, there's so many of us that are doing the right thing the wrong way. There are many of us that are in the right place at the right time, but you're facing the wrong direction. But they were humble enough to take correction, not saying, we know what we're doing. A lot of us need to humble ourselves before God and say, God, you know what? If this is what you want us to do, it involves humility. And, and the disciples were professional fishermen three years ago, but they, they knew all about fishing. So here comes along a, a common man and gives them fishing advice. And instead of saying, what do you know? They say, hey, nothing else has worked. So let's do what God is asking us to do. Because Jesus is saying, there's something in the water. There's something in there. Can I leave this with you? When we meet God, when we come to the end of our resources, we reintroduce ourselves to this amazing, amazing, amazing God when we are at the end of our own resources, when we give up and abandon our plans and abandon our abilities. God says, man, this is where I can step in. Sometimes we're talking so much and we're talking over God that God's like, man, I, it, you have to come to the end of the rope for me to do anything at all. And some of us pray, Lord, why did it have to come to this point? Like, why did I have to have to suffer all of this? And sometimes it's probably because you weren't listening. God was trying to reposition you, but you wanted to do a certain thing your way. The disciples had been fishing all night. They had done all that they could. They knew the best fishing holes. They used the best of their tackle. They were experts at their trade, but they still had no fish. And they were at the end of what they could do. 
And verse number seven, the Bible says, therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter. Who's this disciple? Who's writing this book? Way to be humble. <laughs> John's talking about the, the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm the one that Jesus loves. He said to Peter, it is the Lord. Man, he has bragging rights here. He's like, man, I've been so close to Jesus. I know who this is, Peter. This is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment for he had removed it and he plunged into the sea. Man, Simon Peter was certainly at the end of his resources. He had, he had actually boasted not too long ago, Jesus, if everybody leaves you, me, I will not leave your side. Come on, somebody. He's trying to make up for this. Gets into his swimming trunks. Don't know what that looked like, but he's like, let's go. He's in his quicksilvers. He's going. He's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Heading towards Jesus because he had failed Jesus once upon a time. He had played the coward. He fell when he had boasted that he would stand. He had failed him. But John realizes who Jesus is. The one that he, the, the Bible always talks about how John was always attached to Jesus. Hey, the closer the proximity you have with Jesus, the, whole, the closer the proximity you have the Holy Spirit, the more you're prayed up, the more you're in tune with the voice of God. No matter how ridiculous it sounds. You remember it was John and Peter who went to the tomb? They went to the tomb and, and, and Peter goes in and he's like... That's like me and my wife searching for something. <laughs> hey, babe, have you found this? She's like, so he tells me it's there, and I go there, and I, I, I turn everything upside down, and I'm looking everywhere, and it's not there. I'm like, babe, it's not there. Simon Peter did the same thing. He's like, Jesus is not there. I don't know what's going on. He's like coming to different conclusions, and John walks in. It's like Sonia walks in, and she's like, here you go. <laughs> and John walks in, and he looks at him and says, dummy. He says, dummy, not exactly like that, but you know what I'm saying. He says, he's not here. He has. Have you been listening to what he's been saying all this? Come on, somebody. Sometimes we talk so much that we don't listen. And Peter, I know you have the right intentions. I know you have the heart. I know you're not going to deny Jesus. So many of us have big mouths and we have loud talks. We, we, we say these things, but when the rubber meets the road, it's the ones that are the closest to Jesus that knows you stick on to the promises of God. You stand in the middle of the storm and you don't shake and you don't move because if he says who he is, he will come through and he looks at him and says, for he is not here. He, come on, somebody. There is hope. Oh, come on. There's, there's this difference. One person who's frantically not knowing what to do, looking around. Oh, what do we do? What? And so many of us are Peters. We have the right intentions. Jesus, I'm not going to leave your side. I'm always going to praise Jesus. I'm always going to show up on Sundays. I'm going to tithe the Lord. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. But then you have John, so just stick by Jesus. I'm going to pray it out. I'm going to just, I'm going to just lay. At it. Oh, I'm just going to lay. I was like, what was that? I'm going to lay on his chest, and I'm going to listen to his heartbeat. Just, just, just waiting on him. And he was the most calm in this situation. He was like, he's, he's, he's risen. He, he did what he said he will do. 
It's the same John who's standing over there and saying, Peter, don't you hear this, Peter? It's Jesus. I know what it feels like because I was right next to him. I, I did less of the talking and more of the leaning. I did less of the talking and more of the trusting. I did less of the talking and more of the God. You do the talking. This is your moment. You shine. You take centers. Come on, somebody. We need some Johns who can reaffirm yourselves and say, God, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of, I don't know where Jesus is, in the middle of clothes lying all, all around, we need some Johns who can take your memory back to what Jesus said and what he said about me in the word and reassure everybody around me, not just me, but my friends and my church members my children you got to bring your husband sometimes together when he's losing his mind and say Jesus got this honey he's got this because he is who he says he is I'm almost done with my time huh. verse number eight but the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with the fish. They're probably looking from afar. Peter and John entertaining this layman, listening to what he has to say, probably laughing at their advice. And nine, then as soon as they had come to the land, here's the funny part. Are you ready for this? As soon as the disciples come into the land with this huge load of fish, guess what they see? They saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Am I talking to somebody? The provider had already cooked breakfast. His salmon, smoked salmon benedicts were ready to go. Am I talking to somebody? It was, it was good. How many of y'all eat fish for breakfast? Come on, somebody. They did. They didn't even brush their teeth. Come on, somebody. Oh, man. I didn't want to know how that was, but fish was ready, and they were like, Jesus was like, bring your fish too. But it was funny because he was heckling them from the shore, cooking breakfast already. Here's a man that was not a fisherman by trade. They probably took a pole, tied a string to it, threw it across, and fish came to him, and he's already cooking breakfast. Well, these guys are, am I talking to somebody and... Sometimes Jesus knows best. <laughs> Jesus was there probably before you arrived, or he was probably at that same spot. <laughs> Everything you're going through today, he's been through far worse. He's, he's gone through the ropes. It's, it's not his first rodeo. And God's like, sometimes he's like, man, I sent my own son to die on the cross for you on behalf of you. I, your pain, is that bad? Is that really? Oh, I'm sorry that it's so hard for you. She's like, take comfort in me. Worship team, would you get ready to come up and lead us in a moment of worship? But, and, and breakfast was ready, and he had already got fish before they brought their fish. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught onto the coals that I have made and the fire that I have started Verse 11, Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Verse number 12, there's so much to talk about this, but I need to go. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then came, took the bread, gave it to them. Likewise, the fish and this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples 
after he was raised from the dead. And a lot of y'all probably know this, but let me leave this with you. Do you know that Jesus' relationship with his disciples begins and ends by meeting them where they originally were, where they were fishermen? Their first encounter with them was when Jesus strolled up to them, walked up to them and said, drop your nets and follow me. There wasn't a large catch of fish at that moment. But there was something that was very common in both of these occurrences. The first moment where Jesus meets with his disciples physically and the last moment where Jesus meets with his disciples physically were both moments, beautiful moments where they were fishing. Am I talking to somebody here? They were fishing. And as this encounter happens, as this amazing encounter is happening, Jesus uses that moment to remind them, hey, I'm a God that can come into your everyday lives and I can use who you are and still manifest my glory inside of that moment. For a lot of us, we think, man, we can only be used by God or God can only use us if we qualify for this or we could do this or do that. But God in his divine mercy looked at them and said, man, it's okay, you're catching fish, but this is the moment that I want to meet you. I want to, to have an encounter with you. They met him in the miracle. Today, how many of y'all are waiting for a miracle? Like I said, the, the one thing, the, the common thing that tied up this miracle, the first occasion where they met Jesus, to the last occasion where they met Jesus, both fishing, was this thing called obedience. The moment Jesus said, drop your nets, they obeyed. The moment Jesus said, walk seven and a half feet, they obeyed. Both of them were the most ridiculous things that they could have ever heard. Both of them were decisions that they had to make that would hurt their ego. It would hurt their future. It would hurt their destiny. It would hurt, shatter their dreams and all of that stuff that they'd built for themselves. But that one decision to obey Jesus. That one decision to obey Jesus. My encouragement to so many of us today is, are you listening so keenly to the voice of the Lord where you are in undeniable in an undeniable place of saying, God, you know what? If this is what you want me to do, I'm not going to ask questions. I don't need to see it to believe it. If you tell me to do this, I'm going to do this, God. Because I believe that you are in the driver's seat. Would you stand up to me? Stand up with me today? I just wanted to journey along this passage with you today. I didn't have three points. I didn't have five points. I didn't have point. I just told Lakshmi today, just put up the verses. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna teach from the scripture today. So if, if you didn't have a bunch of notes to take down or pointers that you could go over this week, forgive me. I'll probably have some three points for you next week. But this week, let's take this word. What can we glean from this word? What is God teaching us through his word today? What are we called to abandon in order to embrace? What is our seven and a half feet miracle? What is that place that you've been sitting at and not moving? You've been praying for a miracle. You've been praying for breakthrough. You've been praying that God does amazing things and God things, but you're talking about God things seated where you are. 
And all along, God has been like, hey, why don't you walk seven and a half feet? Why don't you go there? Why don't you move to this state? Why don't you take this step of faith? Why don't you quit your job and start this business that you've been wanting to start? That doesn't mean go and pursue that YouTube channel. You, you have like seven subscribers and you're like, oh, I want, no, 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 that's not what this means, please. I know some of y'all have been waiting for this moment. This is the confirmation. Please don't quit your full-time job to start your YouTube channel. If it works out for you, tithe. But hey, I'm just saying. Use discernment. I'm all for it. If, if God has given you a vision to do that, do that. But hey, God called them while they were doing their jobs and said, come, follow me. And sometimes we have to be discerning of him, man. I, and, and I know it's sometimes it's hard for me to look at people and say, when, when people are looking for a job, I did this a few years ago when people, somebody was looking at me and saying, Pastor, I'll pray for a, I'm praying for a job and I don't know what to do. And I heard the Holy Spirit telling me, tell him, tell him that he needs to move to another city. I was like, no, God, I only have 10 people in my church. I can't have one people, like one person gone, Lord. And God was like, tell him to move. I was like, fine. Just like the disciples. Did you hear that tone? We've fished all night. We've tried everything. But if you say so, Jesus. That's what I did with the Lord. I said, if you say so. So I looked at him and said, hey, man. <laughs> The Lord is asking me to tell you to move to Seattle. He started crying. He started crying. He's like, I said, like, bro, what, what's going on? Like, I'm going to miss you too. He's like, no, 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 pastor. That's not what it is. He's like, there's a job in Seattle that's, that's asked me to come and move. It's a startup company, and I don't know if I should do it. It's a startup company, and it's scary. I'm establishing my job. I, I, I don't know if I, can, I, if I can tell my wife, if I can even gather myself to tell my wife, hey, we need to move from Texas all the way to Seattle. And I said, I'm going to miss you, bro, but go. Go. Sometimes you have to make decisions and you have to do things that is the best for you. And it might hurt you. It might, it might seem crazy. It might seem obnoxious and ridiculous. But you got to say my seven and a half feet miracle is right around the corner but I, I can't touch it because I don't want to move as the worship team leads us in worship I know we took a little longer than usual but hey we have our own space now <laughs> we don't have to pack up and roll out our carts anymore AJ's gleaming from year to year he doesn't have to drive the trailer anymore but God is in this place and as the worship team leads us in a time of worship, the prayer partners are back there. Lisa and Richard are back there. And I'll be available as well. If there's anybody that needs prayers, we're a church that believes in prayer. Stand with somebody and pray. If you want to just stand there and pray, that's fine too. But if you want to agree with somebody, they're back there. You could, you could pray with them. But I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a few moments of worship, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to pray and close. Is that cool? Let's worship the Lord for a few minutes.
on, declare it. Just the voices. Come on. Jesus. Just the voices. Come on, lift your voices up this evening. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Whatever the end of your rope looks like. For some of us, man, it's I've disappointed God so much and I've walked away so much and I've drifted so much that I feel like there's no coming back. I don't know if there's a way back. And I know God is telling me there's at least three people here that's struggling with that today. And I know I'm operating in the prophetic and I do that with so much caution, but God is reminding me that at least three people standing in this place today and you're like, man, I, I think I've drifted away. I've walked away so much that I feel like I may have disappointed God so much that I don't feel worthy. God is calling you by name today. You're feeling that right now as I'm speaking. You know who you are. God is reminding you, I love you. I care for you. I'm a God of second chances. I love you. I care so deeply for you. It's, it's repeating itself over and over again. I care for you. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> There's nothing that you can do, big or small, that is big enough to distance me away from my heart. God is calling you back today. He's saying, come back. Come back. There's somebody standing here. You've not, you, you don't know what it feels like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like John, who knew the voice of Jesus. Like the John who was reminded of that moment a long time ago when Jesus said, come on, let's go fish. And they caught a multitude of fish. John was reminded of exactly that moment. There's some of y'all that need to remind yourselves of last year when God came through for you. You remember when your basket was so full that you're like, Lord, thank you for blessing me so much. And you arrive to a point where you're financially drained and you don't know what's next for you. And God's like, trust me, trust me. And the beautiful thing is this, and I want you all to listen to me. What you've been working all night for, Jesus has already prepared on the beach for you. All because he wants to just show you that he doesn't need you to feed you. That's his job. Come on, somebody. Because here's the thing. When you come to a point in your life where you're the end of the road and you feel like there's no way out, you feel God has abandoned you, you have a tendency to do everything you can to hold yourself together. But Jesus is waiting on the shore saying, bro, I have your egg benedicts ready for you. And just not that, I have bread for you as well. And he, here you are stressing Come on. 
And that's why I said it was funny, yet beautiful, because in moments like this, God reminds us of who we are in the light of who He is. And who He is is this, He's infinite. He's everlasting. He is sovereign. He is almighty. He's all powerful. And the moment that we can get to the end of ourselves, he shows up and says, I am God. I am sovereign. I am almighty. And I've shown up before. I will show up again today and I will keep showing up because that's who I am. I'm a constant God. Trust me. Lean on me. Not on your own understanding because I'm the God that will always come through. So stop stressing about what to put in your tummy when he's already cooking breakfast for you on shore. So God, I pray for each and every person over here. You know, I'm going to give you that opportunity and God is prompting me today. I'm giving you that opportunity. There's somebody here that hasn't met that Jesus like you should. You walked with him for three years, but you're having a hard time hearing his voice. Maybe he wants to reconnect with you. Maybe he's telling you, man, I I want that opportunity to for you to stop talking and for me to start talking? And some of us may need to make that decision today and if, if that's you and saying, God, you know what? I need, to, I need to make that decision today. I want to feel you, God. I want to hear from you, God. I know it's going to be a journey and I know it's going to be a walk, but I'm willing to make that seven and a half feet walk to the other side to do something that I've never done before. Some of y'all need to make a decision this, this morning. So something that you've been praying for and God has been telling you to do and you've been saying no about there's somebody else that needs to meet with Jesus today. And if that's you, I want to give you that opportunity. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me whole. I'm a sinner. I'm a doubter. I'm at the end of myself. I'm without hope. And I need you. Because you are hope. You are light. You are my salvation. Save me, God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, for my shame. Be my God. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, welcome to the kingdom of God. God loves you. God bless you. You are valued. You are blessed. You are anointed. God bless you. So church, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance your direction. And may he give you peace that passes all understanding this week and the week to come. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.